702 presents the Locked and Down podcast with Cindy Paluta in association with the South African Depression and Anxiety Group because help is at hand. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening from me, Cindy Paluta, wherever you might be in the world listening to this Locked and Down podcast right now. Sure, doesn't it feel like this has been the longest year ever? In South Africa, we were put into strict lockdown from early, early days. And in this time, our children have missed so much schooling. And all of this, our educators have been put under immense pressure. They're responsible for the education of our children. They're currently doing it in very stressed and unique circumstances. And all of us are working during these hectic times, yes. But the spotlight is on education as we make decisions as to whether or not our children should return to school. But educators have to try and stay strong. The decision to work has been made for them. It feels like they have no choice. And many of my teacher friends feel like they're on the edge but have to appear calm. They sometimes are unsure, scared of their own safety, the safety of their families. They have to overprepare to make sure children are getting material, be it online or physical. Not only worrying about their own hygiene, but they have to worry about the learner's hygiene as well. They're trying to make the right decisions when they don't have all the answers, but they still have to provide the best education. So joining me today for Locked and Down is educational psychologist and true professional in this field, Dr. Gloria Marseille. Gloria, thank you so much for joining me today on this podcast. Cindy, thank you for inviting me to be part of this podcast. You've been an educator yourself and you've worked closely with educators during this time. What are some of the key stresses we are seeing in the education field? There's so many of them. But if we, if we look at educators, you know, the best way I like to describe them is it's, it's like getting blue paint and pink paint and mixing the two together and you get purple paint. And not if you do anything, there's no way of making that purple paint into blue paint and pink paint again. So educators, their their personal lives and their professional lives are so inexorably intertwined that they are struggling both on a personal level and a professional level. And when you said that your teacher friends are on the edge, that's exactly it. They're walking this fine line, this very thin line, and they don't know where where they are, whether they're coming or going. Are they teaching? Are they not teaching? Are schools open? Are schools closed? Are they doing the right thing for themselves? Are they doing the right thing for the children? with whom they work. So yeah, it's very stressful for them. And I believe you mentioned that they're frontline workers. I believe they are. I believe that all the healthcare workers, all of them, all of those in the allied professions are on the front line. But teachers are so on the front line because they are dealing with the health and well-being of our children, of our country's children on a physical level, on a mental health level, and They're trying to teach them the curriculum that needs to be taught. So that's a three-edged sword, I think. You say this about frontline workers, and I'm not for one minute knocking doctors, nurses, and everybody, you know, that that really are in the front line working with, with with the terminally ill and the really sick people. But they've almost, and I don't want to say that they have been trained for this because I don't believe anybody can receive 100% training for a pandemic. You can, you can read about it, but once you're in it, it's very different. But teachers, I don't think teachers have ever been prepared to teach during a pandemic, especially during these times where we've got this access to online education 
education. And now there's suddenly this expectation from parents who think, well, the teacher should be able to handle it. But hang on a second. Uh, no, should they be able to handle it? I don't think that's really fair to expect them to be 100% calm and you know feel like they're above all of it. I don't think any of us have been trained to live in the storm that we're in at the moment. And I was really fortunate enough to be able to listen to Antonio Guterres's um, speech that he presented on uh, Mandela Day, you know, on the 18th of July. But, you know, he described the fact that we're all in the same storm. But here's the thing. Some of us are in super yachts and some of us are clinging to the debris. And I think that just helps us to, to understand how this pandemic has created and exacerbated inequality for all of us. Some educators are very fortunate working in private schools where they have amazing resources, amazing support networks, amazing technology. Working with perhaps 12 children at a time, 25 children at a time. And then we've got the other educators that are working in schools that have no resources, that are completely under-resourced, that have no running water. How, how do you work with 60 children in one classroom and still put in place this thing of, well, they call it social distancing. I don't like that expression because I think we need to be physically distant but socially connected. We need social connection to be able to survive this pandemic. So the inequalities are just exacerbated. And my heart goes out to those educators who are working in the under-resourced schools where there is no running water, possibly there, there, there are no resources Children are in classrooms, they're overcrowded. And then th let's think about the cold weather, you know, and the fact that in some of the parts of our country, it has been raining. So you can't take the children outside and, t and, and let them be physically distant because they, they need to be protected from the rain. And teachers still need to carry on working with cognitive development and the curriculum. And those grade 12s who've been looking forward to this last year of school and now, well, where are they going? And when is it going to end? And how is it going to end? I think for educators to be feeling distress and anxiety and almost helpless whether you do or don't have the resources, it's that helplessness that can sometimes yes. just be so overwhelming. All of us know that we can control some of the things some of the time. We can't control all of the things all of the time. But right now, we've lost control and we, we're struggling to gain it. So, Cindy, I'm just thinking about this, the stress and the anxiety, you know. It's a holistic impact. It has a holistic impact on us as people, so personally and professionally. It impacts on our bodies. So immediately we need to worry about our own physical safety, our physical well-being, our health. So we need to focus on enough food, enough water, enough exercise, and enough rest, proper rest, sleep, as in being able to go to sleep at night. Yet, our minds are racing constantly. So we need to take care of our mind as well. And we need to engage in being able to be focused. 
putting our attention where it needs to be, focusing on the important things and holding our focus there, which is tough. It's tough. And then, of course, our emotions, our emotions of fear, anxiety, anger, frustration, that sense of unknown the sense of the unknown, the sense of uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow morning. What are we going to wake up to tomorrow morning? And we need to be able to regulate those emotions. We need to be able to work with our positive emotions, but also to recover, to find ways of recovering from our negative emotions, staying focused on what's really important, and then to look at the meaning and purpose of our life, which is also in question at the moment. So we need to, this thing is impacted on us holistically. So we need to develop ways that we can offer resistance to the negative impact of this pandemic. Holistically, we need to look at our bodies, our minds, our emotions, and our spiritual well-being. All of this while still lesson planning for the next day and trying to work out how you're going to do it. And at the same time, knowing that there might be a, a, a child in your class who hasn't eaten for four days because his parents have been retrenched or you know that he's malnutritioned for whatever reason. And yet you've got to keep going on. And, and, and you know, we forget that educators are humans too. So just as much as they're turning up for class every day to teach our children, at the same time, they've got to worry that by turning up every morning, they're taking their own family's health and safety, you know, into, into their own hands and their own families are now at risk. Plus they've got to worry about their friends and family around them being affected by this at the moment, be it financially, mentally, and then they've still got to remain all of strong and carry on for our children that are in their classroom every day. Indeed. So even our very fortunate teachers that are working and educators that are working in very well-resourced schools, I'm just thinking of these lovely people that are teaching something like English literature or a particular language. Where are their technological skills? Have they needed technological skills to walk into a classroom and teach about That's Shakespeare it. or do some poetry or whatever? They don't have the technological skills. Now, suddenly, they need to teach online. Wow, how do I do this? How do I navigate this, this internet? And we, I have to rely on my connectivity in order to do it. And then I've got 20 children that are joining in. And how many laptops do we need in a family to be able to do it? Is fraught with distress and even well-resourced households are having difficulty just with having, let's say you've got two kids. Let's take an average family. Mum, dad, two kids. Mum and dad are working at home. Two kids are online schooling at home. How big does the bandwidth need to be in exactly. order to, to support that connectivity? And then the, the hardware crashes and then the software crashes and then the connectivity goes down, you know. So all of these things that, we, that we're not prepared for, wow, it is a storm. It is. We do need to somehow take some positives out of this for our educators. And I, I would just love to say to any educators that are listening to this at the moment, my hat's off to you. You are, our, you are our true heroes because I'm sure there have been days where you have just wanted to throw in the towel and just say, sorry, no, no, we're not doing online today or nope, the school is closed today and you just haven't been able to, to do that. And 
I just, I just want educators to remain somehow positive and know that, you know, you spoke about purpose in life. Sure. I can't think of a better job to be in, to know that your purpose in life is that you are changing children's lives. It's just amazing. And Cindy, may I use this? I was so taken by Gutierrez's speech on Saturday afternoon. And if you want to go and have a look at it, it's still available on YouTube. He said, and I'm, and I'm quoting from his speech, he said, COVID-19 is a human tragedy, but it has also created a generational opportunity. So a crisis does create opportunity. He says, an opportunity to build back a more equal and sustainable world. How positive is that? And then he carried on saying, COVID-19 has changed the world. A changing world requires a new generation of social thought. This is a chance for women and girls to take a stance against historic inequalities of patriarchy and discrimination to create new frameworks for social protection going forward. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that task us with an amazing thing for us to look forward to us being able to thrive in the future? So yes, now we are needing to survive. We need to build pillars of resilience for ourselves. But we know that in the future, we will come out of this adversity thriving. Let's aim towards that. Isn't it positive? Just stronger. And I think if anything, I'd love to see now how the life orientation uh, syllabus is going to change moving forward. Absolutely. I think that this is an opportunity for changing the way that we think, that, that changing the way that we learn, changing the way that we live. So I see it as an opportunity. And I'm very fortunate in being part of an international research network. And what we are doing globally is we're looking at social and emotional learning skills. And there were some scholars last year already, before COVID-19 was even identified, who said that there are three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. You know the three R's that that we have to learn? And they are challenging society to add a fourth one. And the fourth one is relationship building. And I'm with them. I'm on the same page as they are. I think that this is where we need to go. So when you talk about life orientation, I think it's going to be about relationship building and social protection. I'm looking forward to the future. And just constantly being aware of those who do and don't have. Um, yes. Thank you so much for your time, Gloria. And I would just you know, like to take this opportunity now to remind those listening to the podcast, the South African Depression and Anxiety Group is always one phone call away, 24 hours a day. They do phenomenal work. You can call them on 0800-456-789. They've got a phenomenal team of counselors. But Gloria, you're part of, of a Wednesday evening session. Please tell, tell us a bit more about that. Okay, so we decided that educators are frontline workers. And the frontline workers, there's, there's a wonderful group um, that has been started to give uh, assistance, mental health care, to the frontline healthcare workers. 
And I, we decided, um, Sadak and I, that we, we needed to also give some assistance to the educators. So we've started on a Wednesday evening between 5 and 6. There's a session free to all. Just join. And it's an educator's recharge session. It's just an hour of the week where you can take time out for you to recharge your own batteries. So you're very welcome to join. I think the easiest way to get the link is to phone SADAC and they will be able to give you the link. And then it's a recurring link that you can use every week. And this will carry on for as long as it needs to carry on for. That's superb. And, God permitting, yeah. and I'm sure that I'm sure if we go to the SADAC website or the Facebook page or anything like that, we'll be able to find this link because we, yes. we, we forget that actually our educators need to reach out and a lot of them do not have the resources to reach out or the or the finances to reach out and and just it's okay to ask for help you know teachers and educators we know you'd love to always be calm and strong but you can reach out absolutely you all need help in terms of social connection and this is one of the things that i strive to do is to connect educators around the country in this social space. Thank you, Dr. Gloria Marseille, for your time. You've been phenomenal. And uh, from me, Cindy Paluta, thank you again for listening. And um, just remember, everybody out there, we're all in this together. Like the doctor says, you know, not necessarily, we're all in the same storm, not necessarily the same boat. So be kind to yourself and stay safe. Help is at hand oh. during this lockdown. Call SADAC between 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. on 0800-567-789 or visit sadag.org before it's too late. For more episodes of the Locked and Down podcast, visit lifepodcasts.fm.